Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Broke and Ambitious with me, Francis Keaton, where I chat to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We will be talking day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and the downright weird ones. And we'll be talking about how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. My guest today is the actor Orlando Brook. Orlando trained at the Arts Educational School and the Birmingham School of Acting. His CV includes TV and film credits such as Disobedience with Rachel Weiss, the recent BBC adaptation of Good Omens, as well as stage, radio and commercial appearances. Other screen credits include Channel 4's The Inbetweeners, BBC's The Song of Lunch and Channel 4's Jack Whitehall Investigates. Orlando also writes sketches, performs comedy as a goblin and is writing a novel. Here's my conversation with Orlando Brooke. Hello Orlando, how are you? Hello, Francis. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. This is the first podcast of the series. I say series lightly. I've done three episodes. But this is the first podcast where we are in isolation. We're in lockdown. You are in lovely Dorset. Dorset. (laughs) Where there's nothing but sheep and cows and like the odd little farmer. Brilliant. Are you in the house that you grew up in? Yes, I am. So we've been here for 31 years now. Does that mean there are a lot of memories? Uh, yes, there are lots and lots of memories, plenty of good ones, a few sad ones. Because you're in the house where you grew up, it must bring you back to, I suppose, where it all began, Orlando. <laughs> so you're an actor by trade? Yes. And were you always into acting? How did it start? So for me, it started when I went to watch my sister dancing. She was five and I was three. And I said to my mum, I want to do that. So one day I got up and started jumping around and eventually ended up in the same class as my sister and then from there I just became absolutely crazy for dancing and ballet tap jazz everything under the sun really that you could think of and then I started acting when I was at school because I realized that probably wasn't quite cut out to be a ballet dancer by the age of 14 I realized that I wasn't flexible enough but dance gave me a incredible grounding for everything acting because you've got to have that physical dexterity to you know really get into a character absolutely and that's actually what i think whenever i see your performances i've watched you and i thought such dexterity such poise (laughs) well thank you thank you very much that's so interesting so you started out doing dance and then got into acting and did the dancing give you a lot of confidence so that you kind of got all the roles in the school plays yeah i mean by and large it gave me a lot of confidence but i think i was very sort of drawn towards performing and being on stage I used to do a lot of pantomimes when I was quite a bit younger so these were a professional theatre with a professional company and we'd go in and either be a juvenile dancer or uh, have a small speaking role juvenile dancer was that the title yeah 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 Um, I would be gutted if that was what I was credited as in the program juvenile dancer Orlando Brook (laughs) no it was potentially a little bit patronizing but at the age of seven or eight you don't really mind did you did you have a dressing room or just like a a playpen or what what kind of (laughs) yeah we were put in the uh, soft pen with uh, the animals so I suppose that gave you 
a taste of the professional theatre life because Panto is a fantastic training ground. So then you decided to pursue acting. I went to, yeah, I went to the Birmingham School of Acting and um, did a three-year degree. But I clowned around rather a lot at drama school because I just sort of realised that that was my calling was to be more into comedy than uh, taking things seriously. So I didn't come out with a great degree. I came out with a 2-2. Um, as you could probably hear from my voice, that was uh, rather traumatising. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice did just crack on the... <laughs> I came out with a 2 <laughs> Yeah. I heard an interview with Andrew Scott recently and he was saying that he doesn't do all of this theory and research and getting into the character before he has a role he just plays and he says that when you see children they're like okay now i'm gonna be an astronaut that's how it should be so if anything i think that you got the degree you should have got if you're being an actor am i right i think so i think it's much more interesting to as andrew scott says just play you know uh, not worry about the technicalities and just see what comes out with your intuition and then did you find it easy to get into the career once you graduated i was quite lucky in a way because i managed to um keep myself busy with with lots of acting projects but i didn't get snapped up and go straight into a soap or west end play or anything so it was you know kind of scraping the barrel somewhat to begin with but you know exploring the opportunities that that gave me alongside acting and you you have had some brilliant acting roles care to share some of your highlights oh golly um one of my most exciting projects was a uh, BBC drama with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. This was called um, The Song of Lunch. And I didn't have a great deal to do in it. I was a, a noisy boy. So I had to, as if I was working in the city, go and have a lunch in a, in a restaurant uh, and distract Alan Rickman's character while he was trying to speak to Emma Thompson. That whole week of filming gave me a, an incredibly good insight into those sort of high-caliber actors at the top of their game and just watching and observing from a meter away was was really uh, fantastic. But I've had lots of amazing opportunities. Like I've uh, got to drive the Champions League trophy across Cardiff for Nissan, so I was their hero guy in a Nissan commercial. And uh, I had a small part in the Inbetweeners in the first series, which definitely opened a lot of doors for me in terms of casting directors. After that, I've done a solo show recently in. Uh, in Eastbourne which uh... yeah I, I went to see you in that um, not enough dancing for me actually <laughs> <laughs> no I know I'm working on my next one which is going to be a lot more physical but I've I've really become passionate about screen work because I I think that I've understood you know how camera angles and everything like that work a lot more now so I can you know not play to the camera but just really understand that the camera is my friend rather than a, an object that's just staring at me <laughs> So it took a while for things to start moving and alongside your first few jobs you were exploring other lines of work as well. Yes, yes, I've had a lot of jobs on the side. One of my most bizarre jobs in a way was I used to work for a promotional company and uh, they got me driving around central London in a Mini, Mini Cooper, pumping out loud music and then I'd get paid £15 an hour for this because it had Xbox written on the side and I'd pull over, people would pile over to me uh, like I was the king and um, they'd all have a go on the Xbox which I had in the boot of the car and in the meantime I'd serve them pizza and hot chocolate. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and you're you're laughing to yourself because you're thinking I'm getting paid £15 an hour for this and I'm basically having a great time. That's got to be the best day job you've had, right? I think it definitely ranks up there as the best day job. Uh, surreal though, because you know, you're 
literally pounding the music, pumping it up. So everyone's looking as you're driving past, um, you know, you're the real uh, gangster ghetto person. Did you feel like you'd arrived and that this was the person that you always had been secretly? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about your worst ever day job. Well, I'd say my worst ever day job uh, is um, having to pitch up at Wimbledon Station at 5.30 in the morning on a cold January morning and try and hand out flyers to people about the Times newspaper subscription. Nobody wants to see that at 5.30 in the morning uh, when they're just trying to get to work. So, yeah, that was pretty soul-destroying, actually, and I did that for several weeks. That's so funny. 5.30 in the morning, I'd be feeling like... Look, I've made it up out of bed. That's enough for me. I'm not up to reading. I'm not up to signing up to anything. It was sort of a case of, oh, hello, madam. I know you'd love to read The Times this week. And um, there was also a case of trying to, you know, make it a bit more witty. Oh, it's raining today. You could use this as an umbrella. Or have you run out of loo roll? Here's your Times subscription paper. Um and things like that so it was I feel like you were wasted on this job because there's some pretty ingenious ingenious selling tactics yes exactly exactly I have a confession to make that one day when it all got too much uh, I knew the team leader very well so we uh, we put the pieces of paper in the in the van drove off to my flat had a sleep for three hours then went out again and ditched all the papers in a recycling bin and then at 10 o'clock, finished at Wimbledon and presented our overall manager with, you know, only about 50 left. Going, oh, we did such a good job today. OK, I love that. I mean, OK, I have so many questions. Firstly, you did this multiple days. This wasn't just a one off. Yes. No, this was probably about three or four weeks. What? Every morning? Orlando? Yeah, I know. I feel like you did the most sensible and well-mannered rebellion ever. Some people might be like, oh, let's ditch these and go to the pub. And you're like, we'll go home and have a sleep three hours and then we'll come back, we'll recycle the newspapers <laughs> and then we will return to our boss. I just love that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was very responsible and, uh, you know, everyone was happy at the end. Well, oof, let's never think about that awful time again. Just the words 5.30 bring me out in a cold sweat. So that was your worst day job and what has been your weirdest day job yes recently i i um i don't know if you know the actor luke ireland yes he's been on the show before actually <laughs> brilliant yeah luke is a very good friend of mine he asked if i'd like to be involved in an immersive theater gig that he was doing uh before christmas which was called uh, miami vice christmas party and we had to pitch up and welcome these guests in who were coming for their Christmas party in, in rather a hostile manner. So we'd both have guns and we'd both have uh, you know, fake guns, obviously. But we'd have uh, the authority to stop them and find out if they knew where Santa was. Where's Santa? Where's Santa? Have you seen Santa? Christmas is ruined without Santa. Well, can we just say uh, Orlando is available for uh, American roles? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Francis. Um, so we we had a whole night of tomfoolery like that, in which we could um, play around a lot, improvising and stuff. But um, we got some very weird looks from people. Other people were very on board for it. And we had to serve them key lime pie and generally have a, have a fine and dandy night while we were slowly propping up the bar as well, because we weren't meant to. But um, we could sneakily have uh, one of their drinks when they weren't looking. <laughs> And so, yeah, that, that was one of my weirdest recent jobs, um, but also a lot of fun. Didn't you do this one night and then you saw one of your friends who was actually 
one of the people enjoying the experience. Yes, that's right. Jeremy Gomez, uh, if I can use his name, is a, a very good friend of mine um, who happened to be there for his work Christmas party. And I was frisking people for cocaine and things like that. <laughs> At the moment, he walked through the door and uh, I suddenly, there Jeremy was, stood right in front of me with his eyes agog, you know, looking very puzzled as to what I was doing at his Christmas party. And probably looking very guilty as well, wasn't he? Yes, yes. I mean, he's always guilty. <laughs> no, it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful moment. And that, I mean, that kind of raises the whole, um, the issue that we have as creatives doing side jobs that we see our friends, they're just enjoying and being entertained. And then we're doing the entertaining and we're like, this isn't my real job, but you know, I have to do it to pay the bills. Yeah, precisely. I mean, you know, I know what a fantastic actress and stand up you are, but I hadn't ever seen you on your day job and your day job was, you were absolutely rocking it as a tour guide. Well, you know, but I was thinking this is, you know, this is Frances's bread and butter but she's also incredibly gifted as a performer and you know that's where we really want to be seeing her oh flattery will get you everywhere Orlando thank you (laughs) brilliant okay so they are a fine collection of day jobs I have to say both that one the immersive and the driving a car around giving out hot chocolate and pizza and xbox games they sound like the best jobs ever yeah I mean I can't cannot complain about a lot of these jobs um and you're thinking wait i'm just getting paid to mess around here for when the times are tough how do you manage to save money and do you have any tips to our fellow creatives um yeah i think the best tip i would say is seek cheap places everyone likes to go out for a bit of socializing etc just go for that little coffee shop that isn't pretentious and um that isn't charging an arm and a leg or even better meet in a park with a with a mug of thermos uh, with a thermos. A mug of thermos. <laughs> <laughs> Just see if you're listening or not. Or even better, if you you know if you're confident and know that person well enough, you could invite them around your house or vice versa, and then you've got your own rehearsal space there. So I mean, I, I mentioned Luke Island earlier, but we're often coming around each other's houses in pre-lockdown time to rehearse and you know prepare our next bit of uh, craft. Yeah, I've I've often wondered about that because sometimes Luke comes back from your house and. His collar will smell of your aftershave. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to reveal that. Okay, that's a lovely tip, because I feel like you're saving money on rehearsal space and coffee, but you're also deepening a friendship. Yeah, precisely. And I really think friendship for me is far more important than work. But also, you know, the more friends, acquaintances, colleagues you make and rub shoulders with, the more chances further down the line somebody will think of you and go, oh, yeah, I remember so-and-so and I used to work with them and I used to do whatever with them and they have a, you know, convivial approach to work. Let's um, let's get them on board for this project. It's true, yes. You do widen your net with all of these. Take everything as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yes, precisely. And, okay, one tip I would definitely advocate, and I've fallen foul of this many times, so I would say do the opposite. Don't offer to buy four or five actors a drink <laughs> because that is tantamount to a credit card disaster. Yeah. Everyone wants to be generous and, you know, go to the bar first. But actually, unless you're on a night out with friends where you're, everyone's buying rounds, if you do that, the chances are by the second or third drink, one or two people will have already walked away. And then you've spent 30 quid in that first round. And then, you know, sounds really tight. But actually, that's something I've learned 
that will gobble up the expenses, especially at an after-show drink or something like that. It's very true, Orlando. I have fallen foul of that as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's no harm in just saying, I'm really sorry, I'm a bit strapped for cash at the moment, so I'm just going to buy my own drink. Completely. And I mean, to be fair, as soon as you've told this group of people that you're an actor, you've basically got it written on your head that you're penniless. So <laughs> Exactly. Also, you do cycle pretty much everywhere, I'd say. Yes, I do. Um, and so that's a great money saver because you're... Uh, getting fit and not spending money on public transport at the same time. So it's a win-win, really. I agree. And I do think that post-COVID, when the isolation uh, is lifted, I think a lot more people will be cycling around anyway. Yeah, exactly. All I would say is invest in a good set of bike lights and invest in a good waterproof jacket or or a backpack because um, it's so frustrating, especially if you're going uh, in for a casting and you get there and all your clothes are soaked. I suppose if you didn't have one of these uh, raincoats, you could just use a Times newspaper, couldn't you? Yes, exactly, exactly. They double up as many, many things. And finally, uh, I'd just like to ask you, Orlando, what would be your dream acting role? You'd never have to work a day job again. You've landed it. What would it be? I think it would definitely be a sitcom. And it would be... Have you seen Black Books? Yes. Yeah, that sort of... uh, That sort of style in terms of... uh, rather bumbling characters or you know chaos uh, and it's like slapstick sort of thing so a kind of mixture of that and green wing yes um, yeah uh so that i think that would be my but if i could have two i don't know if i could have two my alternative would be a a psychotic killer <laughs> who uh goes around uh, slicing people's throats and you know generally hides in cupboards and waits for them to come home from work <laughs> Okay, complete contrast then. I did not see that coming. No, I know I didn't either. And then I suddenly thought that is actually a job that I would I would like because you get you know hands-on gore and uh, everything like that. And I've worked with a few gore effects before, and it's a lot of fun. I can imagine a perfect role for you where you're you're a psychotic killer, as you said, um, but you but no one suspects you because you spend your day driving around the streets of London in this really cool car with Xbox on the side, and you're just <laughs> giving people free hot chocolates and pizzas. <laughs> And then as they come into the car, you shut the boot and then you just, yes. you just slash their, their throats. <laughs> and then I drown them in hot chocolate and squidge pizza down their throats. Have you, have you seen Happy Valley? Yes, I love Happy Valley. So the James Norton character is the role for me. I would love that sort of role. Oh, it's, oh he's brilliant in that, isn't he? Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure you will get those roles all of them in time to come thank you so much for coming on to broken ambitious today and i hope that you have a wonderful rest of your lockdown you're welcome thank you and I'm, i mean today is uh, consisting of um, uh, watering some vegetables climbing up onto a roof and uh, trying not to fall off it because i did the other day i actually fell off some scaffolding and uh, landed in a rose bush oh i heard about that that's so yeah. sad but also like beautifully romantic i don't know why it was yeah, I mean, I didn't manage to pick any roses at the same time, so the lucky lady won't get any there. Thank you so much for uh, coming on, and thank you for giving me something to do during lockdown. Ah, oh, you're welcome. And and I'm just going to try and get my cat to speak to you very quickly. There you go. That's, uh, that's my company. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,